It's the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time here at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in State College, Pennsylvania. The date is September 9th, 2018. Today's readings come from Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 4 through 7a, as well as James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The Gospel proclamation comes from Mark, chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Today's homily is given by Father Dick Baker. from the book of the prophet Isaiah promises a day of healing and wholeness for the deaf, the mute, and the lame. Jesus certainly fulfills this promise and is a source of hope for all who are in need. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The word of the Lord. The following passage in the letter of James warns the Christian community not to show favoritism to the rich in worldly goods. Reading from the letter of St. James, My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a man with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by the way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears, and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said, Ephata, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened, his speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. 
They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. You think that Charlie's going to be invited back to pray with the players of the Pittsburgh team? (laughs) If he is, I could see why they lose every year. (laughs) No, they had a good first half. (laughs) When I was working in a place called Gambela, in Ethiopia, near the Sudan border, among a people called the Anyuak people, I used to go out to a refugee camp where there were Sudanese, southern Sudanese, and pray with them, and also to other parts of that area where local people, Nuer and Anyuak, wanted to be church. There was no church there, just a beginning. And I would come back after a, a long trip, the roads were terrible, and I would come to my house, and there's a veranda in front of my house, and I had a cook. Couldn't understand a word she said, but I had a cook, and it was good. She made good food. And I, one time I came back, and there was this boy, eight, maybe nine, ten years old, sitting there on the veranda. He was sitting on the terrazzo floor of the veranda. It was an open veranda. And so I greeted him. And he looked at me quickly and then turned his head away. So I walked in and I said, well, you know, he doesn't see too many big white men in his life, so he was probably shy and afraid. And so I went in, did what I had to do. A couple of days later, I come back and there there he is again and he's sitting there. And I greet him again, same reaction, nothing. And so I said, boy, he is really shy. And ordinarily, you don't see eight... 10-year-olds by themselves. I'm saying, what is he doing by himself? Usually his brother or sisters would be with him or he'd be with kids his own age. And the third time this happened, I asked my cook in the best way I could with sign language, a little bit of the Anua and a little bit of Amharic, who is this boy? And in great sign language, she said, he couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. Pretty good reason for not responding to my greeting. (laughs) And so I found out a little bit more about his situation. That his uh, mother had died. He didn't get along with his father. He didn't have any brothers and sisters who would look out for him. And so he just kind of meandered around. I imagine he sat on other people's verandas as well. But one day I was in town visiting somebody else and I parked the car and as I was walking away to visit somebody, I saw what I thought, it was him. And he was standing there, straight, stiff as a board, facing about three or four kids that were quite a bit older than he was and they were making all kinds of signs and laughing. And he was standing there facing him, didn't move, tears just coming down his eyes, huh? And so I went up to him, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and he looked up. I put my hand out, he grabbed my hand, we went to the car, and I took him back to, to where I lived. And it's a long story about what eventually happened to him. 
But as I got to know him a little better and others who couldn't hear and couldn't speak, there were certain kinds of personality traits that, that became very obvious. One, that most of them were shy, that they didn't like to get to know people because they couldn't communicate the way they wanted to communicate, and they were afraid. They didn't know what people were saying about them. It's like when we walk into a room and we know people are talking, and we think they're talking about us. It doesn't make us feel very good, does it? it it's, it's their life. That's their whole life. And they couldn't communicate. And also, they got angry quickly. I got to know quite a few people who were deaf and couldn't speak in that area, mainly because of meningitis, I think. They got meningitis when they were younger. And they all seemed to display these same traits. And of course, the final trait was dependence. They, they built up this dependency on people because they just couldn't do things on their own, they felt. They had to always be helped. So when Jesus cures somebody that couldn't hear and couldn't speak plainly, it's hard for us to really realize that, what that meant. Because we've never been in that situation, I don't think. And we probably very seldom meet anybody who is in that situation. So we don't get to feel what it's like to be blocked off. Imagine not being able to say what you think and trying to communicate to anyone especially those you love. Or you can't be communicated to by those you love. It's a difficult thing. I'm not being able to express what's in here in any way possible. So Jesus unlocked that. But he took him off to the side. <clears throat> he didn't want to do it in front of a lot of people. And the reason is he knew people would get the wrong idea and of course, as we read the rest of the account of this miracle, they did. They saw Jesus the magician. He did an amazing thing, beyond awesome. He cured someone who couldn't speak and who couldn't hear. He did everything well. And they missed the point. You know, throughout the gospel, gospels, Jesus always tries to let us know that he's talking about us, that he wants us to be part of his life with the Father and with the Spirit. He wants to draw us into that life. He wants us to have eternal life, the life that they have. We just heard how many readings about Jesus wanting to give us his flesh to eat. Now those who heard that, they took it at, at, a, at a meaning that was completely opposite to what he meant. They were thinking of being cannibals. But he wanted them to take on his life. To do what he was doing. Just like he sent out the 12 or the 72 to preach, to heal to cast out demons. He wanted them to do that. He wanted to give them his spirit so that they could do the same things he did. 
And yet, in many times in our faith lives, we figure, well, if we keep the commandments and the laws of the church, that's enough. That will get us to where we want to go. And that's part of it, that's for sure. That's a very important part of it. But I think you remember in the Gospels when that young man came up to Jesus and said, uh, what, what should I do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. He says, I did that. I do that. I, I keep the commandments perfectly. And then Jesus says, only one thing missing. So what you have, come follow me. Follow me meaning do what I do. Go out and preach. Go out and heal. Go out and, and cast out demons. Be my follower. Pick up your cross and follow me. Wash each other's feet like I washed your feet. Love one another, how? As I have loved you. I think so much of our faith, that's missing in it. I think we do the first part as well as we can. Keeping the commandments and the laws of the church. But it's that second part that we need to spend more time at. And that's what Jesus figured we were missing the point on. That we saw and were amazed beyond awesome what he was doing. But then we saw more as a magician than we did as someone who's asking us to take on his life and to do what he did. To be active, to be proactive in our communities, in our societies, in our world. To be proactive in preaching and healing and in casting out demons. Now, what needs to be preached, what needs to be healed, and what needs, what demons need to be cast out? If I handed each one of you a piece of paper and a pencil and said, okay, in your society, your communities, in your world, what do you think are those things that need to be preached uh, to? The gospel needs to be preached to. What needs to be healed with Christ's healing? What needs, what demons need to be cast out? It would be interesting to see what you put down. If you ask me those questions in Africa, I could tell you. <laughs> I know. I was able to figure that out there. People were very open about that and they spoke about it. And you go to their proverbs and you go to their rituals and you can tell what it was that was on their minds, what was important to them. But we were, we're asked to be proactive. We're not asked. It's not a matter of just God and me. It's always a matter of God, me, us. And so I'm going to conclude with a prayer. And I hope with this prayer, anybody who's been to confession to me knows this prayer because I give it as a penance. <laughs> if you haven't been, well, it's a short prayer. But I hope you could see the relationship between the homily that I gave and this prayer. If you can't, well, I was like the Pittsburgh football team. <laughs> Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. 
where there is despair. Not pills, powder, or drugs, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, let me sow joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. And in pardoning that we are pardoned. And in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's service. For more information about our church, including upcoming events, please visit us online at goodshepherd-sc.org.